This is a previously recorded episode. Tell me you love me. I need a good laugh. I'm holy water. You need a good bath. Whiskey and perfume. You had a nightcap. Now how about that? I've got a new friend. A perfect stranger. He's got a bullet with your name in the chamber. I'm body organ. Rearranger. You feel my danger. Nooner time. Welcome to the Nooner Show with Jay Dubs and Denise Brennan Nelson. We are broadcasting live from Detroit Sound Studios high above Activate Gaming in Ferndale, Michigan. You can find us at DetroitPodcast.com. It's Nooner time. Somebody bring me a mirror. And it's hump day. Happy hump day. Happy hump day. And what a balmy hump day it is. A what day? <laughs> what did you just call it? Balmy. It's, you know. Balmy? Balmy. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a word. It's a beautiful day. It's gorgeous. And it's you February. Know why? why? Because it's Bob's birthday. Oh, it is? This is what I got him for his birthday present. I, I don't want to know what you got him. I ordered a sunny, warm day. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, I'm sure you did. <laughs> I did. I did. And I got up at 5 o'clock this morning and made him blueberry muffins. Oh, you're such a good wife. Happy birthday, Bob. Yeah, happy birthday. Okay, but honey. wait a minute. You didn't write him a rap song? <laughs> Huh? Oh, I didn't even think about that. Are you serious? It's not too late. No. Well, he's got something to look forward to tonight, I'm sure. Well, in case anybody wasn't listening or hasn't listened to last week's show, uh-huh. I did grace you with a rap song tonight. That was incredible. Seriously. <laughs> Jessica's over there snickering like, yeah, right. Is that what you call that, a rap hey, song? You were hilarious. Uh, oh, that was great. <laughs> that was so much fun. Um, well, we do have a great show lined up today. Oh, we have a room full of people, too. We do. We, um, we have sports announcer Joe Davis on the show. He's um, announcing the Xavier St. John's game tonight in Cincinnati. So he's going to be calling in a little bit. Uh, We also have his dad here in the studio with us. We're going to talk to to, to him and Joe about his amazing career, and it is amazing. So That's stay tuned. Great. We'd also like to welcome Neil. 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 <laughs> I, I would imagine you know him pretty good by now. Neil huh? Roars, yeah, and Kent Austin. They're sitting in the studio with with us today, hoping to get a word in edgewise, and they uh, they haven't yeah, they haven't been around. They us. haven't listened to the show. I guess in the past. Neil's already said, "I'm scared." Yeah, but but I do welcome have, guys. I know welcome. I do Thank have you. a comment about your name, Neil Roars, and Kent Austin. Don't those sound like like Superman names. They really do. And Neil then, Roars <laughs> and Kent Austin. <laughs> Be careful. She might write a song for you guys. So. Can't wait. Rap song. I like Paul Davis, too, but that seems much more, you know, down to earth. So, down to earth. Yeah. Okay. But we are excited, Paul, to, to talk to your son. I'm so glad he... Uh, you know, agreed to call in and talk to us about everything that's going on. So thanks to everybody for being here. Happy birthday, Bob. I think, Neil, yes. don't you have something to say to Bob? Happy birthday <laughs> to Bob. 
I'll stop there. You know what? That kind of sounds like the male version of the Marilyn Monroe Happy Birthday song. Oh, I was going she for did. Dean Martin. I oh, know. you were? Yeah. Or well, Jim Neighbors is what it kind of sounded like. Jim Remember Neighbors? Jim Neighbors? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that real baritone voice. So, all right. Well, well, what else you want to talk about until Joe calls in? You want to talk? Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Oh, yay. Yes. Now, I do a little bit later um, because we really want to save as much of the show for Joe and his dad as possible. But I do want to talk about the Super Bowl. I have a Super Bowl trivia quiz. I figured since we had these guys in here and they probably all feel like they know everything about football because isn't that typical of most guys? (laughs) Joe really does. But (laughs) But, um, I have a feeling Paul does, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think. All these guys probably know a little oh, bit more than we do. don't suck up to them. I'm not. All right. I just say Joe you know can't quite play. quite a bit, too. We'll just say Joe can't play. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I, but I, do you even know who's playing, Jackie? Um, well, I do know that Lady Gaga is doing the national anthem. <laughs> really? And, yeah, and that the headlining musical act um, is Coldplay. And I think uh, I Beyonce is going to be a part of it and possibly Bruno Mars. So what else really? do you need to know? What was the question? <laughs> I told you guys she knows more about music than sports. Who is in the Super Bowl? Who are the teams playing? The Broncos and the Panthers? No? Ding, 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 ding. Yes yeah. or no? Yeah. Yes. What does that mean? Yes. Oh, see? Woohoo! You got it right. You got it right. All so. right. Now, All did right. you know who the musical uh, guests were? Uh, you know, I did not know Bruno Mars, and I did not know, um, I knew uh, Coldplay. Uh-huh. And who's the other woman? Beyonce? <laughs> I'm just yes. kidding. Uh-huh. I know who And Beyonce the national is. anthem, Lady Gaga. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I did not know Lady Gaga. Okay. So, so all right. you don't know everything about football then? No. No. No, I don't. But we could play. You know, we could. I could ask a few of these questions while we're waiting. Okay. Well, look at them, not me, when you start asking those uh, well, questions. I, no, I'm not going to ask you. All right. Well, while we're waiting for Joe to call in, um, I'll start with an easy one. What was the first team to win five Super Bowls? Pittsburgh. Oh. Uh, no? no? No, I have San Francisco, San Francisco. 49ers. Oh, wow. Why are you guys so quiet now? Come on. <laughs> Woohoo, speak up. All right, we'll, we'll, go, we'll go to the next one. All right, which team set the record at 602 for most yards gained in a Super Bowl? Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee. We need Joe. Do they have a football team? Yeah, do they have a football team? Yes, they, they do. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Washington Reds, Redskins. Now this came, oh. you know, a little the easier, internet. Denise. Please. Yeah, come yeah. on, Denise. Okay, I'm, well, I started with hard ones. They had six touchdowns versus Denver in 1988. You, you want to know the answer, right? Okay, who was the MVP of the first Super Bowl? I even knew this one. You guys oh, should know oh, this one. Geez. Starts with a B. Bart Starr. Star. Yeah. I think I beat you out by half a second, Neil. Just a little All bit. Right. Okay. Caitlyn Jenner. No? <laughs> oh, bad, bad, bad. Okay, here's a, here's a really easy one. How tall is Peyton Manning? 6'4". Oh. Six, six, four. Four. Uh, Three. Nope. Five. Yep. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yep, 6'5". How tall is Cam Newton? 6'4". Six, 6'5". Six, five. Six, five. They're both 6'5". I thought oh. that was interesting. Okay, how fast can Peyton Manning run the 40-yard dash? Not very fast. <laughs> 20 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, I, this was Wikipedia. 4.8. Now, how fast can Cam Newton run the... 4.5. 4.58. Yeah. All right. How, what's uh, Pete Manning's salary? Does anybody know? 
a lot. Yeah. It said 15 million. Wow. Believable. And and guess what the, it, they had for Cam? Any idea? 18 million. This can't be right. 5 million. One. No. That's what it had. I'm talking Wikipedia. So, t- you know, whatever. It can't be. No. I think there's a cap. There's a cap on on the rookie that your first contract has a uh-huh. has a cap Maybe on it's it. A so is he a rookie? His big payday will be next year probably. Right. Okay. Oh, really? When I saw that, I thought there's got to be – it's got to be because he's new. But still, it still seemed like – Wait. So he's the head quarterback and he's the rookie? Yeah. Really? He's yeah. three oh. years. Oh, Wow. You haven't heard of Cam Newton? Uh, yeah. <laughs> sure. All right. Okay, here's a good one. Name of stadium that they're playing at for the Super Bowl. I know this one. You should because you wear them. Golden something? <laughs> no. No, anybody? It's Levi- in San Francisco, I know. Levi Stadium. Oh. All right, here's an – okay, this is the easiest one of all. Who is Patton – Peyton Peyton Manning's wife's name. Mrs. Manning. (laughs) That was good. good. (laughs) Paul. All right. Who is – that's not correct, but I'll I'll ask the next question. Who is Tom Brady's wife? What is her name? Giselle. Stop it. I wanted the guys to answer. So now I can't play because I know an answer? I wanted to prove a point. Okay. My – my what was your here? point? My talking too loud. Sorry. No, you're good. Oh, um, did you guys? I'm know getting that? direction from my no. tech. No. Okay, I my future son-in-law did not know who Peyton Manning's wife's name. It's Ashley, well, but why he would did he know, know that, who. Tom, he wouldn't know that, but why would he know who Tom Brady's wife is? She's because she's drop dead gorgeous. She's a model, though. Yeah, she was well, a, a very successful model before she because married. Because she's drop dead gorgeous, AJ. That's how you knew her name. No, she was a successful Don't model defend before him. she married Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm she sure Mrs. Her... Manning's cute, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yes. Yeah, what is. are you saying about Miss Ashley Manning? No, no, she is. She is. But mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I know. Yeah, where did you get, get these questions from? Those are hard questions. I'm sorry. Gosh, Why don't you're... you pick, like, the color of the uniforms? What color? Okay. What color are the uniforms? Oh. Orange. Denver's orange and white. Blue and black. There you go. But they're wearing the white because they lost in or wearing orange. I heard that. The Broncos, yes. Well, I heard both teams are going to wear white. They oh. can't do that, can they? <laughs> <laughs> what? Do we look dumb? <laughs> I Jack is over here. Oh, well, that would be pretty. <laughs> okay, so that'll be nice. <laughs> okay, now we know your son's um, in Cincinnati. Right, Paul? Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be calling the game tonight against Xavier and St. John's, correct? Right. And who's his partner tonight? Uh, his partner is Bill Raftery. Okay. I wanted you to say that last name okay. because I knew I'd mispronounce it. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. I mean, everything he's doing is a big deal. But, you know, do you have any To invite- work with a legend, yeah, that's big. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and Coach Raftery is... Is one of the biggest in basketball. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's it'll be interesting. Now, do you listen to all the games that you can? Uh, when we can, we do. Do you have any advice for him calling the game tonight? No. <laughs> because, no, I never have advice for him. Really? No. Because no. basketball is not your thing, or or he, he gives yeah. you advice. <laughs> he, he's got a pretty good handle on it, so I kind of step back and okay, so I just st- stick to life adva- advice. Oh, good. Yeah. You, not which, professional. You still have a lot of that to give, I'm yeah. sure. Right. Uh, every once in a while, here and there, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, right. Well, but you go with him on his when he goes call, and calls football games. Mm-hmm. I help him with football. Tell uh-huh. tell our listeners what you do. 
I am um, called a spotter. Okay. Oh. And my my job is to look at the the fine details of the game and uh, help him to identify different things like uh, who made a tackle or who made a good block, who the penalty's on, who's injured, things things like that. Okay. And so I, while the game is going on, that's right, what you do. Right. And I, I usually use um, binoculars so okay. I get the you know the get up close and see the yeah. like I said the finer details and he he sees the big picture. So I just help him define some of the smaller things that are going on. How do you communicate that to him in the booth? Um, usually I he has a big board with all of his information and I will uh, point to different numbers and I have a, another chart with. 15 or so different things that could happen in a game. And a lot of times I'll uh, point to the card and I'll point to the number. Okay. So, so it's kind of like, like sign language. Hand signals, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, and you were a high school football coach, correct? I was, up until a year ago. Uh-huh. Oh, really? Okay. So, I mean, you know the game inside out as far uh, as <laughs> being able to spot things. I, yeah. I, I like to think I know a lot about it. A lot of yeah. my uh, former uh, parents of players would 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 probably not agree with that. Oh, and, but. <laughs> and you're looking at Kent over there. No, no, no. I there... played for him actually. Oh, uh, you did? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Really? Wow. Well, I know AJ did. He had nothing but praise to say about you. What a great oh, that's nice. teacher. Uh-huh. And he just had a lot of great things to say about. He he talked about your philosophy. Did you have a specific philosophy? in terms of coaching that you could share or not? We have Joe on the line. I'm sorry. I don't mean to. That's a great question. You're going to interrupt yeah. Let me think dad. on that one. You I know. Paul is so glad It's a great question, but we do have Joe Davis on the line. All right. Joe on the line right now? Yes. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hi. How are you guys doing? Good. Thanks for calling in. We have a room full of fans here. Your fans. <gasps> Some of your All Michigan of fans. <laughs> well, no, there's quite a few more than three. Yeah. Um, but first of all, thank you for calling in. Um, this is our, our time where we have our favorite segment, and Joe is our guest today on the segment, and it's called What's the Wish, What's the Way, and What's in the Way? And the segment is designed to showcase the stories of talented and gutsy individuals who had a wish and found a way to make it happen. They set goals, overcame obstacles, and turned setbacks into comebacks. Their stories are unique, interesting, and most of all, inspiring. And Joe is hitting it out of the park these days with an impressive resume. Joe Davis is one of the fastest rising stars in sports broadcasting. Since 2014, Joe has been announcing football, basketball, and baseball for Fox Sports. And at age 25, Joe became the youngest person to ever announce a bowl game for ESPN. Joe will begin his first season this spring as a play-by-play broadcaster for the L.A. Dodgers. The Dodgers signed Joe in October to call road games in the 2016 season, making him a potential successor to the legendary Vin Scully. In an article in the Detroit Free Press, Lon Rosen, the CFO for the Dodgers, was quoted as saying, you know when you hear something, and you know when it's good. You can use the quality of his work. You can see the quality of his work, how much he really knows about the game, and stylistically, how impressive it is to hear his command of the telecast. Joe is a former college football quarterback and is married to Libby. And if this isn't enough excitement for one year, drum roll, please. Joe and, Joe and Libby are expecting a baby in when, Joe? When's the baby due? June 20th. Oh, so woo. the Dodgers thing's the second best thing this summer. <laughs> oh, there you go. Oh, that's awesome. Congratulations. Yes. 
Thank you. Well, congratulations on everything that's going on, and um, thank you for taking time out of your schedule uh, to call in and join us. We, of course, uh, we're very excited to hear your story. So, yeah, we. Um, I'm going to start off with a question, Joe. Uh, we were just interviewing your dad, and uh, your dad's been telling us a little bit about you. I think he was thrilled when you finally yeah. called in. So he, you let him off the hook. Um, <laughs> so, so now you're on. But uh, I have a I have a strange first question. When you're traveling. And just imagine that you're sitting on an airplane and the person next to you wants to be chatty Kathy and they look at you and they say, what do you do for a living? What's your response? Um, I say I'm a sportscaster and, you know, I, I fill in details if they keep asking questions. But, yeah, I typically keep it pretty generic. Okay. Sportscaster. All right. Yeah. And uh, if I was sitting next to you, I'd say, oh, really? Well, what do you broadcast? <laughs> I'd be one that would want to keep asking questions. And- yeah, no, and I'd tell you, I'd, I'd uh, call games, you know, I'd announce games, and then you might ask for who, and I'd tell you for Fox. And then when they found out that I, you know, was in Grand Rapids, maybe they know somebody in Grand Rapids. And so I inevitably, when people hear that I've all games for Fox, they start asking me if I know about the you know, the local anchors and everything on the Fox affiliate in Grand Rapids. So then we had the discussion about how I work for Fox Sports and go around and you know call games nationally and don't know any of the people locally. And then maybe ask a question about the Dodgers and that comes up. But I, I never like like offering it all up at first. I don't know. It just doesn't it doesn't feel right to offer up all the details. Right. So you would have to press to get some of those details out of me. All right. Well, we're going to press because yeah. we, we do want some of the details. And, and I'm just going to uh, get right back in here. I read that your mom said from the time you could speak, you were commentating. I mean, it sounds like you just came out of the womb and you were you were commentating. Um, she said that you were born to do this. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, I don't know what else uh, what else I could do, to be honest with you. I think if I wasn't doing this, I'd maybe have coached football like my dad. Um, but other than that, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, I used to, you know, when I, I'd play games in the backyard and in the basement and everything, I'd pretend I was the announcer, too. I'd turn down my video games and be the announcer for those. So even before I think I even really knew it was – something you could actually do for a job and have somebody pay you for, I was doing it as a really young kid. Sounds wow. like you were really young. Um, and if there, there's nothing else that you could imagine doing other than, like, football, I mean, it would have something to do with sports. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. so. Be involved in sports some way. Although, have you guys watched Making a Murder? No, I haven't. Oh, my God, I'm obsessed no. with that show. Okay. Sorry I just finished it. Well, way off track here, but this—I I watched this show about you know there's this cold case murder thing, and this guy got thrown in jail for something he didn't commit, got thrown in jail again for something he maybe did. But anyways, documentary on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Watched that the last couple of weeks, and I told my wife if I had seen that as a high schooler or when I was in junior high, I maybe would have wanted to become a defense lawyer. I was inspired oh. by the guy's work, and that's really cool. But oh, I, that's probably good, probably good I didn't see it when I was in junior high or high school because I'm pretty happy with what I'm doing now. Oh, well, and I think a lot of people are pretty happy with what you're doing now. And I know you do a lot of different things, but let's just get right to uh, cut right to the chase. You uh, Was it October that you um, took this new gig with the LA Dodgers? Yeah, yeah, I guess it would have been announced in early November. It's something that had kind of been in the works for the previous year 
you know, the differing, the varying degrees of seriousness. I think 2000, fall of 2014, the Dodgers reached out to my agent for the first time and um, just real basic stuff, you know, does he have, uh, does he have a reel we can look at and pass around and take a, take a closer look. And, and then I, I didn't think it was that serious. I knew they were talking to a lot of people and I didn't even know if it was something I was interested in because if it meant having to give up my national stuff with Fox, I probably didn't want to do it. So we sent the tape out to them and didn't hear much over the next couple months. They decided to kind of go with what they had been doing for the road games, and that is having Charlie Steiner move over from radio to the television side. Um, they decided to stick with that for 2015, um, but continued to kind of think forward for what life would be like once you know Vin decided that he was finished announcing. So this February, a few months after the first contact we had with him, I sat down with him. I was in Los Angeles uh, for something else and decided to swing in just to say hello. That was the first time that I think we realized how significant their interest was and realized that there were three or four people that they were talking to and still needed some things to, to slide my way and probably some people to say no, that they couldn't make it work for me to have a shot at it. Um, and again, radio silence for a few months. And then in mid-June, uh, a couple days, you know, the only two days that I spent with my agent all last summer in person, he'd come to Grand Rapids to golf for a couple days. While he was in town in June, we got the call from the Dodgers that they wanted to move forward and trying to figure out, try and figure out a way to make it work. Wow. So from June through November, there was a lot of negotiating and, you know, work done with both sides, meaning the Dodgers and with Fox to find a way to continue to make the Fox stuff work and to take the Dodgers job. Wow. And that, you, you answered a lot of my questions in, in that answer. So I appreciate that. I, I was curious about an agent, but I was also curious about how, how long it took to, to get Fox and, you know, for there not to be a conflicting, um, you know. Right. To get everybody on the same, or right, green. Right. Yeah, it was uh, it was a significant process and was something that I wasn't sure that, you know, we would ultimately be able to figure out. And that was going to be really tough if I, if it came down to where I had to make a decision between the two. Um, because it was. Oh, I'm sorry, Joe. Um, no, go ahead. Well, you know, and I, I know I know a little bit about sports, but I do know that not all sportscasters announce all games. I mean, you do. You do football, you do basketball, you do baseball. Um, mm -hmm. And that's not true of everybody. So was it because you didn't want to have to give up any one of those sports? Yeah, I mean, I enjoy calling all of them. I think my ultimate goals have always been to do, you know, the, the very biggest games on the very biggest networks. Um, and giving up the Fox stuff would kind of knock me off that path to, to hopefully one day doing bigger and, and more important events, not that I'm not doing really awesome events right now, but you know, it would kind of knock me off the path that I was all, always wanted to be on. And I wanted to be with the team at some point too, uh, but I didn't necessarily want to do it at the expense of the national platform. So, okay. you know, and then there's the, there's the added layer to it that a lot of people don't know about. And that is that Fox used to own the rights to the Dodgers local broadcasts. And there was kind of a falling out there several years ago. Actually, Fox used to own the Dodgers several years ago. So there's even more layers to, and, th and there's no relationship now. So there's even more layers to it now than just 
you know, they Dodgers didn't want to share me. Fox didn't want to share me. There's more to it than trying to figure out a schedule. There's some existing history between the entities as well. But they, uh, you know, they they found a way to make it work, and my agent deserves a lot of credit for that. And so do the people in charge at the network and with the team. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. What is the biggest game for a sports announcer to call? Probably the Super Bowl. Okay. All right. Um, now, well, I'm going to pick your brains about that so I know what, who to bet on. <laughs> <laughs> we were doing a little a little trivia, uh, and I must say that your fans here weren't very good at the answers. <laughs> I no, said, that hurts. Well, you, you should have heard the questions, Joe. It's not fair. <laughs> I guess, they, yeah, maybe, maybe if we have yeah. time, we'll ask Joe something. He probably knows the answers to all those. What's the most difficult in this? Uh, this is probably a dumb question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, yeah. What's the most difficult game to call? Um, I think the, there are the fewest number of people that are good at doing baseball. Oh. I think just because, you know, the, in football and basketball, in football you've got a very distinct rhythm and um, kind of cadence to the game where it's, you know, play. It's the gap between the play while they huddle or don't in college and then another play and then between the play and the play. And it's, it's very, uh, formulaic, you know, the play by play guy goes and then you get out, the analyst goes and you just kind of rotate back and forth. It's like verbal ping pong kind of hmm. basketball. The action of the game carries it. And there's hardly, hardly time to do anything other than just call the action. And then baseball, just because of, you know, in a three-hour game, you've got maybe 10 minutes of true action. So, you know, finding a way to, not just within a three-hour broadcast, but if you're doing a team within a three-hour broadcast and 162 times a year, every single night, find a way to make that interesting and, and have a feel for the rhythm of the game and you know, when stories fit, when it's smart to shut up and you know, when to call pitches and when not to and there's just so many different little nuances to calling baseball games that um, I think that there are the fewest number of people that are good at baseball versus the other sports. Okay. So um, prior to you calling in your dad was giving us a little bit of insight on how much time and what you have to do to prepare uh, for Mm -hmm. games so tell us a little bit about what's involved. Yeah, and it depends on the sport. So football is the most involved because there's the most players. And, you know, in our case, we do a game a week and we pick up two teams that we don't, you know, follow that closely. Um, You know, when you're doing certain conferences over the course of the season, you get to know teams a little bit. But really, you're picking up two foreign teams, you know, at least to your knowledge, that you've got all these fans that treat being a fan of these teams like it's their job. And you've got to be able to, in one week, learn enough about the team and know enough about the team to be able to teach those super fans something wow. when Saturday rolls around. So it's a, it's a lot of reading and um, you know adding stuff to what's called my spotting boards, spotting charts, which have the rosters and a lot of information on them and committing things to memory, having conversations with coaches and players and, um, you know, your production crew of, you know, 50 or 60 people. So, you know, for a football game, it's really involved over the course of the week. Basketball, just based on survival, really doing a few games a week with the same challenges of having 
you know, teams that you don't cover on a daily basis, you got to pick them up and learn them in a few days. It's just the difference in basketball and football is that there's three basketball games a week that you're doing. So uh, survival instincts take over a little bit there, and you realize how to prioritize, how to get ready for things. And then baseball, especially when you're with a team, you have to look at it like a, a story that writes itself over a full summer. And so your preparation for Wednesday's game, a lot of it was Tuesday's game. And what you're reading in, in the papers Wednesday morning about Tuesday's game, talking to players and managers and coaches at the ballpark. So it's different for each sport. Um, it doesn't feel like work, but it, it is. You know, There's quite a bit of work that goes in to get ready to make sure, at least in my case, that I feel prepared. There's nothing worse than getting into a, a job, whatever it is, no matter if it's broadcasting or anything else, and not feeling prepared. So right. I kind of drive myself out of fear of not being prepared. Well, especially when there's thousands listening to you. Right. Yeah. No Do you have, has there ever been a moment that, you know, after a game you thought, oh my God, I can't believe I said that, or you slaughtered somebody's name, or, you know, anything like that you want to share? Yeah, the worst, most embarrassing moment of my career was 2012 at ESPN. Um, I was working with Miles Simon, who is a Final Four MVP decade and a half ago, late 90s, something like that, at Arizona. And I introduced him on the air as Miles Austin, who is a receiver for the Dallas Cowboys. I have no idea why <laughs> I introduced Miles Simon as Miles Austin, but... I just I keep going right through our introduction, and my producer gets in my ear and says, "Hey, Joe, it's it's Miles Simon, buddy. You said Miles Austin, and all the color drained from my face. Oh. You got to be kidding me!" But he he was totally cool about it. Miles was we're friends now, so it was fine. But I thought I was never going to get another job again in my life. <laughs> I know it's hard to get rid of those little mistakes, but yeah. Know, well, what do you think? I mean. What do you think it takes to be a, a great broadcaster? Um, let's see. I mean, there are a lot of things that you can that you can control and work at. Like we just talked about all the preparation. I think if you're not willing to do that, then that limits you. There's some raw tools. Like I think you got to have a voice that you have to have a great voice, but I think it's important to have a voice that's at least listenable to that people can people don't mind listening to um but i think that there's also and i don't know what it is but you, you kind of just have to have a knack if you're going to be really good at it and it's hard to hard to really define what that is what that knack and what that it factor is and if it's a sense of timing or um a sense of the moment and, and why moments matter and how to how to translate those moments with the way you talk and with your inflections. And um, so there, I think there's things you can work on, but I think there's also some raw tools there that, that you kind of have to be born with. Okay. Well, it sounds like you were born with them. Um, and calm under pressure. It seems like um, to be able to manage so much at once, somebody talking in your ear, um, you've got the game in front of you, you've got your, your analyst or your color commentator next to you, um, you really have to be able to juggle a lot at once. Have you always been a, an even-keeled kind of person? Uh, yeah, I think I have. 
Um, and that, you know, you, you just gave a really good description of what it is in the booth there. And, and I've heard it described as being a traffic cop as a play by play guy on television. And you've got all the graphics coming in that you've got to set up. You've got, like you mentioned, your analyst next to you that is, is the biggest thing, making sure that he or she is teed up, you know, for where they want to go and what they're seeing on the field. You've got your own notes in front of you. You've got your stats guy and your spotter, and there's a lot of things going on. So, yeah, I mean, I think that, that demeanor is an important thing, and I guess I probably always have been uh, pretty calm, and I can probably thank my parents for that. And, you know, my, my background playing sports, I think that my dad can probably tell you a couple stories of when I was playing for him in high school where there were situations where I probably shouldn't have been calm, but was and you know helped our team and it's it's uh there's some parallels to that with the job that i do now just just making sure that you know because there's stuff that goes wrong in, in television that you don't want folks at home to see and as long as folks at home can't tell there's stuff going wrong going haywire in the truck production wise maybe something goes wrong in the booth as long as you're playing it cool they're not going to know and, and that's the bottom line right but you can't sound boring and from you know I did listen to the Lions game when you were calling that. You still sound excited, a, a calm, excited. And that's an art as well. You know, to still be able to get into the game and be part of the game. Despite while what's still, going on right, around while you. you're still doing a job. Yeah, yeah right. We just kind of went over all the things you're handling as the traffic cop. And then it's almost like, oh, yeah, you've also got to do what you're actually there to do, which is call the game. It's like, you know, you've got all these other things that are going on when the the biggest thing is actually calling the action on the field of the court and making sure that you're doing it accurately and not making mistakes. And you mentioned the excitement thing. At the end of the day, we're sports fans and we're watching games that, you know, in a lot of cases we'd be watching even if I wasn't sitting there calling it. So I think that's a matter of letting yourself enjoy what you're seeing and not being afraid to allow people to hear that you're enjoying what you're seeing. But it's a process though. Do you I, get I'm better still learning? Oh, I'm sorry. You're still learning. Do you get, do you find yourself getting better? Uh, I mean, like when you look back to two years ago or three years ago, you know, how much have you improved? Would you say? I hope a lot. I hope that it's from game to game. I'm still improving especially when I, I go back to my time doing minor league baseball in 2010 to 2012. And that was, I was solo the first two years as the only guy on the broadcast. And that's 140 games in 150 days. And you have no choice, but to get better when that's the case, it really exposes you if you don't. Um, so I would go back and listen to, and thinking about it now, it's like, how did I do this? But I would go back and listen to every minute, of every one of those broadcasts the first couple of years, the following day, you know, when I was in the ballpark the, the morning after the previous night's game, getting ready for the following game, I'd listen back and pick up on things that I can improve on. And you know, now life's a little different with the wife and, and things like that, you know, a little more, a little more stuff going on. So you don't get to listen to every game, but I still go back and I probably pull up, during football season, it's every game I go back and listen to. Basketball season, I try to keep myself honest and listen to, you know, a game a week or so that I've done. And, uh, you know, baseball, like I mentioned, you, you do it all you can. It's just being being a little busier now. It's hard to listen to everyone. But, yeah, I go back and listen to all of them and try to 
find little things that I can tweak going into the next game and for football, write down little bullet points that I'm trying to work on that I learned from listening to the previous week's game that I want to fix the following week. And hopefully that's something I can always do and will never stop improving. How many hours a week do you work? Zero. <laughs> he loves what he does. I mean, honestly, it's not work for him. He loves no, it. That, um, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to ask, too. Um, I read the article, the interview in, I think it was the L.A. Times, and which was a great interview. Um, but it seems like you're very conscientious of wh- how your fans feel about you. Like you, you want to make yourself approachable. Or um, I think you said something about um, you want to be a guy that they would want to hang out and have a beer with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially on baseball because of what we talked about, which is the fact that it's every night you're going to get exposed if you are – not listenable. I think the biggest thing in baseball is being is wearability. Having people want to turn you on every single night, especially when you're with a team. And for me, that's the most amazing thing about Ben Scully. He's he's worn not just over the course of a night, not just over the course of a season or a bunch of seasons, but since 1950, and he's still the most beloved person ever in Los Angeles. So. I think the, the ability to be yourself, you know, hopefully hopefully you have that foundation of being a, a relatively likable guy just in general off the air, and then allowing that to translate once you're on the air is the biggest thing. And one of the biggest things overall in any sport, but especially in baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we also read that um, you ignored a couple of phone calls from Vince Scully. Is that true? Yeah. How about that? Good way to start my relationship with him, huh? <laughs> Is he in your contacts now? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll make sure it doesn't happen again. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I, 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 I mean, do you still pinch yourself every now and then and think, I can't believe this is all happening? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you're, uh, we should tell like... our listeners you're only 28. I mean, that that I don't usually talk about age, but you've got such a resume for as young as you are. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd say like once a week, my wife or I will say, I can't believe we actually are like, you know, doing this. Wow. This, this is actually happening. Um, yeah. I mean, at the same time that like, I absolutely realize how lucky I am and, and you know, I, I do pinch myself, but at the same time, I think if you get caught up doing that too much, it's going to impede what you're doing. You know, there, I, I think that there's when you experience success, there's some luck that goes into it, but you also need to realize that there's there's a reason that it's happened. So I try not to get too caught up in pinching myself and you know, being wide-eyed and awed at what's happened. I appreciate every bit of it and realize how lucky I am and wouldn't trade this spot with anybody, but I don't think you can get too caught up in, in overthinking it, if that makes sense. Right. Absolutely. Right. I, I know Neil's dying to bust in here with a question, but I have one more before I turn it over to him. Do you Uh-oh. get to pick your analyst? Do you get to pick Do I who, get to pick them? Yes. Like tonight. No. Tonight, tell everybody who, who you're sitting next to tonight. The famous Bill Raftery. If I could pick, I would pick him. So uh, that works out well. You don't get to pick your your parents. You don't get to pick your broadcast partners. Sounds like you did pretty well in both categories. Do they get to pick you? Do they, like, like if Bill, I mean, 
So who decides who, who, who's partnered up? Um, there are people at each network that typically it's broken down by sport. Uh, you know, the guy in charge of basketball decides who's doing what game where and who works with whom. And, um, same thing for football, across football. So it's broken down by sport. There's a boss for each sport, generally speaking. Okay. All right. All right. I, I have to stop talking because your fans are sitting here. I can't, I've never seen you so quiet, Neil. I've never been this quiet. I, <laughs> I tell you, Joe, I, I, I love this because uh, when you when you did the Lions and Bears game, and, and I happened to be at Denise's house when we were watching that, it's like, wow, there's the kid from across the street that was the quarterback at Potterville when my youngest son was the fullback for you, and, and you're doing a Lions game. But you came to the Kiwanis meeting in Hastings and spoke. And uh, you told the group your, your four uh, secrets of success or your four tips for being successful. You've got to share those because they, they're so simple, but they've been, I think, very, uh, very true and very helpful for you. Yeah, let's see if I can stick all four of them. Uh, okay, so you've got write thank you notes, handwritten thank you notes. Not enough people do that anymore, I don't think. And so, you know, when you do, um, I think it helps, you know, helps uh, – you know, in the case where it's people that you're just meeting, it helps people remember you. Um, good handshake with good eye contact and using people's first names and remembering those names. Uh, that's something I have to work on. I have to like continually remind myself to remember the names because I don't do it just naturally. I try to, when I meet somebody for the first time and hear their name, I will try and picture somebody in my head that I already know by that name. And so the next time I see that person, uh, you know, I have this image in my head that reminds me of a person by that name, and, and I'm able to remember theirs. It doesn't always work. Um, and then be nice. I think that like that is it's an underrated thing that kind of gets lost in the shuffle. Um, what am I missing, Neil? No, that's all for him, Joe. Nice job. Great. Uh, all right. You know, simple but so important. Right. Right. Does your wife like sports? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> she likes tennis. She, she does enough to, uh, you know, to, if there's a big game on that I want to watch, she gets excited about it. And she watches all my games, but I think that's because she's a fan of mine and not of sports. Uh, but it, it's okay because you know when I'm when I'm going to I'm spending all this time getting ready on getting ready for games. I'm spending all this time on sports as a job. It's okay when I'm with her to not be talking about sports as much oh, as I right. love them. I don't need to have twenty four seven sports. So it's so a nice sweet. little change up. That's so sweet. And oh, you know, if you have a boy, will you let him play football? It's a good question. I think so. Um, I didn't play until I was in sixth grade. I definitely wouldn't let him play any time before that, maybe even wait a little longer than that. But 15, 16 years from now or you know, 12, 13 years from now, whenever uh, whenever that may be when he's in fifth or sixth grade, I don't even know if it's a boy, but I appreciate you thinking along the same lines I am. <laughs> I may be a boy. Well, I was thinking if it was uh, a girl, would you let her play football? What? what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, we don't we'll want to get see. into this I mean, we'll discussion. See in Twelve years. What other information we've got? Right. As far as the concussions and yeah. you know all the studies that are being done, it's a scary amount of stuff that we're learning right now. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. In twelve years, we'll see what's out there. But right now, I'd say yes because I think that there's there's so much to be learned from playing the sport. 
Okay. Well, I'll I'll we'll stay tuned on that one. Okay, I have to ask you this. What's your prediction for the Super Bowl? <laughs> I think the Panthers win. Um, they're just really good. I don't have many insider secrets for you anything. I think the Panthers <laughs> are really good, and they're going to score a lot of points, even though Denver's defense is, is really good as well. I get really into the – there's one day a year where I like bet on stuff, and it's for the Super Bowl. I'll, I'll do a few prop bets. You guys ever do any of those? No, what's that? You can bet on stuff like the color of the um, Gatorade bath. Uh, you can bet on the oh. length of the national anthem. What color shoes Beyonce will have on at halftime? Things oh. like that. I love it. That's what we'll do. Yeah. Yes, do my it. my, yeah. my, my co-host to about the game. Uh, yeah, well, that will be great for my co-host Jackie. Oh, thanks, Denise. She barely knew who was playing in the game. <laughs> Denise, she, she, your your wife and Jackie would probably get along really well. Now, yeah. before we let you go, I know you've got a busy day. Um, I hope the game goes really well for you tonight, Neil. Any more questions? No, I'm good. Kent? I, I would just like to tell Joe that he's an inspiration uh-huh. for all the little guys. Making, right. Making it big. And uh, for, for his dad, Paul, raised, raised a great kid. Yeah. Thanks, Kent. Well, Thank and you. he's from Michigan, so how, how cool is that? I know. You know, and he's been following his path. Well, and your dad's sitting here. He's so quiet. Is he always as quiet, Joe? Um, no, he's not. My dad. <laughs> You, I can talk to him anytime, so I'll, uh, I'll save, save the questions for you guys. Oh, uh, that's so, so we are going to keep your dad here for a little bit and, right. and talk to him a little bit more. Put him through the ringer. Yeah. All right, I'll I, do that. I do have to – can I just read you this quote from – this is an article that I read um, that was written a few years ago by David Halsberg about broadcasters. And he was – the article was about the – I think it was like the top ten broadcasters. And this is what he said, which I thought was really interesting. He said, they are as much a part of the way we experience sports as the events themselves, which I thought, wow. That's yeah. so true. It really is. Yeah. So, yeah, so true. Absolutely. Well, I think that's part of the reason why I love doing it. Um, you, try not to, you try not to be bigger than the event or take the focus away from the event, but the, the opportunity to have even a small part in how people experience that event is something that's pretty special right it is it's such a part of our culture and wow well we're excited we're so thrilled that you called in you know we have a segment every show joe called sip on this and we try to pick a drink um, that we feel represents or fits our guest so i went to meyer yesterday um, and we don't usually share the process that we go through but i have to read you the text that i um, communicated with our CEO, okay, who happens to be who happens to be my daughter Rebecca, but the CEO <laughs> of our show. So I'm in the grocery store and I'm lo- going up and down the aisles, and sometimes we concoct something, and sometimes we just go get a bottle of wine or some beer that that really uh, uh, fits our guest. So I text Rebecca and I say, "What beer do you think of when you think of ballpark?" Becca says, "Expensive." I say, "Something to represent Joe." What about badass? Becca, that's cute, but no one really likes that beer. <laughs> I text back. I text back. Oh, okay. And she typed this up. What about flannel mouth? Because he's a smooth talker. Becca, OMG, no. <laughs> Me, should I just get Budweiser? Because he's a young bud and wiser than his years. Becca, that's so corny. Wow. Me, wow. me, what about Dark Horse? Because maybe everyone wasn't thinking that he would be the one to get the LA Dodgers gig. 
Becca. No, that's negative. What about hard root beer and tell him not to forget his roots? Me, I'll get Budweiser. Becca. <laughs> Becca ends up. This is the last text. Blue moon for you only find this kind of talent once in a blue moon. Oh, oh I nice. love it. Wow. That's, That's really nice good. I did text. And I like blue moon. I, oh. <laughs> I did text back. Perfect yeah. with like eight exclamation points. Yes. But that's the process we went. We bought a six pack. The guys here uh, have been drinking Blue Moon. We're toasting to you. Yes. Um, and the Dodgers are blue. And the Do- oh, oh wow wow. See, there it was go, meant Joe. to be. It was Joe. Meant to be. And with that, we will. We <laughs> see, see, Joe. That's what's nice about radio. We got Blue Moon. You can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I, I could do it, but I'd have to hide it as soon as it came on. <laughs> From his dad. Yeah. yeah. yeah his dad. There you go. Well, oh. congratulations yes. for everything, especially the baby. Yes. Uh, on the way, June twentieth. We'll put that on our calendars. And uh, and now, when's the first game that you announce? Uh, uh, I'm going to do a spring training game March 19th will okay. be my first. And then first regular season game will be the second game of the year in San Diego. Then we'll do opening day. And then Oral and Nomar and I will take over for game two. Wow. Wow. What fun. Well, all the best to you yeah. and your family and uh, your exciting career. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate you having me on. Well, yeah, thank, thank you. you. Thanks, Thanks, Joe. Joe. Thanks, Joe. Great to talk to all of you. All right. Talk to you in a bit, Dad. Okay, Joe. (laughs) Bye. Be good. See ya. Oh, wow. What an inspiration. No kidding. Gosh. Humility. Yeah, no kidding. What a balance, you know? Yeah. Like he said. Well, did you hear one of the four um, success tips is just be nice. I know. You know? And thank you notes. I hope my kids heard that. Handwritten thank you notes, not text messages no. not emails handwritten, handwritten. thank you notes. Well, really you raised a, that. mm-hmm. that's fantastic yeah you really did congratulations to you oh thank you okay. a, a good example of the humility would be i read the other day that uh vin scully is having the, uh, a street named after him this year and you know just just to honor his career and someone uh told joe that maybe uh if he has a good season that they would they would name a hot dog stand after him. And Joe's response to that was, I'd be happy with just having someone give me a hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, well, aren't they so like $10 hot dogs yeah. at the ballpark? <laughs> wow. No, that's, that's incredible. amazing. Oh, okay. And this just has to be so exciting for you. It is, yeah. To, to even to sit with them at, at a Lions game and, and just to watch this, uh, you know, Especially if he's – he sounds like a prodigy, really. I mean, if he started at at such a young age and then to really just follow the stream and path. How exciting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good combination of hard work and luck. Right. So, yeah. Who is he more like, you you or his mom? Oh, I would say a combination of both. So – that's yeah. why it's so important to pick a partner that balances oh, you yeah. because then you have kids like that. Yeah, he has, a, he has a great mom, and I think that's where his brains came from. Well, and his looks, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, come on. Let's dish with Paul. We got some minutes left, don't we? Right, we I do. I have no idea what time it is. That we're, just we're actually doing pretty good. Flew by as normal, but like, I have a whole list of questions well, here for Paul. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. I can't find him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Paul's <laughs> going good. 
I had so many notes here for So were you were you uh, with Joe in Chicago? Uh, we heard the story about when he lost the letter. Were you with him? Yes, I was. So uh-huh. what happened? Because we meant to ask him about it. Tell us that story. Um, well, early on, he determined that networking was a really big part of his uh, career and, and his the success that he might have. So uh, he made a point of reaching out to different different broadcasters. Well, he wrote a nice letter to to Vin, uh, not to Vin, to uh, to Len Casper, who was the TV um, play by play broadcaster for the Cubs, and Joe was a big fan of his. Um, he just uh, just had an inter- introductory letter to Len. Ask, uh, asking about uh, the, a chance of maybe sometime getting together and, and picking his brain and learning some things from Len. And uh, he was going to hand deliver that. Um, wow. But he couldn't because the letter had fallen out of his back pocket wow. when we walked to the game. Okay, so you guys were going to the game. Yeah, then. we just we, we were, okay. it was just like on a on a Saturday. Okay, we had, we had gone and we didn't go down with that intention of just taking the letter. We went down. It was a game, and that was just a, kind of a natural thing for Joe to do. Okay, um, so it had fallen out of his pocket, and he was disappointed, of course. But of course, the game was was fun to be at. And yeah, it was a good day, and it, we were uh, about an hour uh, on ninety four, headed back to Lansing. And he got the, a telephone call from the owner of the uh, Taco Bell, which is right across the street. If people are familiar with Wrigley, Wrigleyville, yes. they know where that is. Well, the, the owner was a really nice lady from from down there who would, had walked out to get the mail. And she saw the letter on the on the ground and picked it up. And she, she apologized when she called Joe and she said, I'm sorry that I opened the letter. It wasn't addressed to me, but I was curious and read your letter and – uh, the good thing is I'm I'm friends with Len because he comes over a lot. Oh wow! For food, and she said he he's he'll be gone for a week and uh, w- with the team because they went on the road. And he, uh, she said when he gets back, I'll personally walk it across the street and give it to him. So that's basically how that got started. Oh my so. gosh! What a story! Oh. Yeah, no kidding. Gets what are the, the chances? Hand- right, right. That somebody that knew him mm-hmm. picks up the letter. Do you get nervous? For Joe, when you know he's calling a big game, no, I get nervous about helping him. You do, like what your job is, <laughs> right, right? Do you ever mess up in the? I do. You're in the, you do. I do. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you and, get in trouble? And, well, uh, silently I do. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God it's all I get some bad. I get some bad looks, but I, I really try to, uh, you know, to do, to do the right thing. Right. Well, mistakes probably happen all the time. Sure. And it's, uh, you know, his credibility is always on the line. If I give him the wrong information, that doesn't look good. Right. But Joe being Joe, if I mess up, he'll just say, don't worry about it, Dad. This is live television. And things like that happen. Wow. I can't imagine that pressure. I can't either. Could you do that job? No. Could you, Neil? Oh, no, I don't think so. It'd be fun to try. (laughs) <laughs> what about you, Ken? Not a chance. I mean, he's got people talking to his ears. I know. That's I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Stuff. It does take a rare. I mean, right. The mind when you think about what they have to do and keeping all that straight and being so present, so focused on the play by play. I mean, everything that's happening right in the moment, mm-hmm. and then you have all that stuff going on. I I can't even imagine it. Who are the Go ahead. I was going to say, I've been doing this for four years helping him. And I remember my first production meeting, which is uh, four or five hours before the game. Everyone from the from the crew gets together. And I was just really impressed 
to see Joe at work with the production people because it just seemed like almost all the questions went through Joe. And, you know, he was 23 years old or something wow. at the time. And it's like, I, I don't know. I don't understand how this is, how he's doing this at, at this point in his life. But it was really pretty, quite impressive. So, wow. Well, who, and I, this might not be a fair question, but I'm going to ask all three of you. Well, first of all, who are your favorite announcers other than Joe? Who are your favorite announcers to listen to? I've always liked Chris Spielman just because I loved watching play, and it's like here's the voice of somebody that's been there, done that. Okay. What about you, Paul? Me, I, I'm a huge Ernie Harwell fan. Oh, yeah. From, um, I like uh, I like Mario and Pimba. I like listening to his games. Um, I don't know. I I have a lot more that I like than I don't. I can't. I, if you ask me who I didn't like, that's, I don't think was, I could even like come up with anyone that I. Don't like? like? Really? Right. That was my next question. Come on, Neil, Kent. Who don't you like to listen to? Who's boring? Uh, I don't know. AJ had I, somebody last night that he said. I think there are some people that get annoying after a while. Like but who? I mean that. Or should you should we not? Probably shouldn't say. <laughs> okay. This is a positive show. <laughs> That's right. right. We, right, had right. <laughs> we do stay on the sunny side of the street. You're right. If, if I can throw this in, I, I see I can't imagine how cool this is for Paul because he, he he's been coaching football since before the war. I mean one of the wars way back. <laughs> and to, and to be he doesn't there, look that old. Well, I know. He, he takes care of himself. But to be out there doing that with legends of, in football, I mean, how, how cool that's got to be. It's just... Well, and, well and to have it be your, your, your son, to watch your son do this. Right. I mean, that... Absolutely. I can't Like imagine. a double, you know, it's yeah. like a double, double dip. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about your career. Because didn't you... Did you play... Cricket in Australia? No, I didn't. Yes, I, did. I, <laughs> I, uh, I coached cricket. Oh, um, you did? Yeah. Okay. My, in- my first job out of college was uh, I, I went to uh, Brisbane, Australia, and I, I taught there for three years. And one of my, one of my jobs was being the cricket coach uh, at the school I was at. So, so that's where I got that. How so, fun. And that was, that was a – I, I love cricket because of it because I was able to learn the game and I know the game and – what did you teach? Uh, I taught elementary PE. Okay. And a lot of it was swimming because it was a tropical climate in Brisbane. And so half of the school year was – it was too hot to even be outside. So did a lot of work. I, I think it was like almost 2,000 swimming lessons that I taught before I left. So. Oh, wow. And, and then you came back to the States. Mm-hmm. And so you've coached for how many years? Um, 40. Wow, thirty maybe thirty eight. Cricket and then football. Yeah, football for about thirty eight, but cricket for only uh, I think two years. Okay, would you have a son? Like, well, I saw you kind of gave that <laughs> sign when it, Joe said he would let his son play, but he'd wait and see. You, you, you don't have any problem with that. Oh well, I, I would have concerns, of course, and I had concerns with my own two boys playing, as I'm, as I'm sure that Neil did. But, oh, even uh, back then. Yeah, uh, okay. uh, we uh, Joe's younger son Sam had have a had a his, uh, history of concussions. Okay, uh, two or three. He knew and and we knew it was an unspoken thing that he would never play in college because we didn't want to to have him continue with you know the possibility of concussions. Oh wow, he was he was a good player too, but uh, okay. Uh, I think there are, I think the benefits far outweigh the the, yeah, okay. the risks at that level. Is that your favorite sport, football? 
Cricket's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, yeah. before and then then football's number two. Okay, um, we actually Joe called in when I was asking you about your philosophy of coaching. Did you have something that you you know that you could share? The way you looked at football, the way you looked at, at your position yeah, as a coach, perhaps, perhaps I, I I I believe that I coached for the kids. I mean that's a cliche, but uh, I, I believe that in over my career we probably could have had better records if it was more the program than the than the, its players. Uh, for instance, particularly I would talk about finding the best kids on the field, and a lot of times they were they would have been a a freshman or a sophomore, but I always thought that if someone is going to be in your program for three or four years, you owed that opportunity for them. So perhaps a senior that had been with you for four years, that had that had been loyal to you and the program, I always thought deserved the the, the playing time for that. And and so uh, I, just a few kids ever came up. Uh, you know that I invited okay. up only if we had real specific needs. Well, they so. bring so many up now, and then they just sit them on the bench, and it's like you know, let them play. Right. Go ahead, Neil. You don't I have said, to raise your hand. No, no. To, you know. Well, thank you, thank you. I'll just start talking to Teacher. Cut. I, I said this for years. I mean, Paul coached both of my boys. Paul is a phenomenal human being, and he was the builder of young men. That's it, what it AJ was. Said. It was way more than just football, and and he sometimes he was the only role model that there was. Some boys had, and uh, and, and believe me, that was a good thing. Yeah, that's that pretty much what AJ model. said as well. So oh. that's quite a tribute. Oh, thank you. Neil. We're going to have to yeah. wrap it up. I know we have what? I know, I know, but they have somebody else coming. What was in Joe's major? A uh, communications. Okay. Sorry, no, I can no, never okay. stop. I just just, just I questions know. just. Keep I on, know, I know, but they have. Coming, she already warned us. She gave us a pre warning. I know we have somebody coming in behind us, yes. but we can't uh, thank you enough, no. Paul. Um, it's been fun. For, yeah, very fun. For Love you know, thing. letting us uh, chat with you, talk to to Joe, coming down, Kenton and Neil, and. Um, we next, do, well, yeah, no. next week. Next week. Tell everybody we who we have. have. The lead singer of Fog Hat next week, Charlie Hewn. Cool. Wow. Yes. So we're very excited. He has a great story, too, and a great message. And um, Can we come back? <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you you could, but we actually pre-taped it because we're working around his schedule. So we're not going to be here, but you could be here if you want. Well, Neil just wanted some more Blue Moon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it'll be no. a different, different drink next yeah, week. Yeah, for Fog Hat, it would be Fog Hat wine. Yeah. So yeah. they have their own wine now. Um, Yeah, that's true. So we have to say goodbye, but we want you to remember, sometimes your only available transportation is the leap of faith. Thanks for taking a leap of faith with us today. Listeners and guys, happy hump day. And And what's our song today that we are dedicating to Joe and Paul and Neil and Ted? Yeah, all the baseball players out there for, you know, well, we just, it doesn't need any introduction. Play the song, Jessica. Here we go. Sung by Edward Meeker, Edison Records. Casey was baseball mad, had the fever and had it bad, just to root for the hometown through every zoo, Casey Blue. On a Saturday, her young beau called to see if she'd like to go to see a show, but Miss Kate said no, I'll tell you what you can do, take me out to
to the ball game. Take me out with the crowd. Buy me some peanuts and cracker jack. I don't care if I never get back. Let me root, root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame. For it's one, two, three strikes, you're out at the old ball game. is a previously recorded episode